from verse 7 through verse 13, the church at Philadelphia. Revelation chapter 3, follow as we read from verse 7, and the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, these things saith he that is holy, he that is is true. He that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength. Thou hast kept my word, hast not defiled my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but lie, Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly, hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. I will write upon him a name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Now, Father, we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit for fresh anointing. Let the same breath of God that brought inspiration and revelation to John bring inspiration and revelation to us. For we know how impossible it is for the natural man to receive the things of the Spirit of God. He cannot know them. They are spiritually discerned. Give to us that spiritual ability this morning that it would not just be another sermon, but would be alive with the Spirit of God, and that our eyes may behold him revealed to us in these verses. And we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. And every believer agreed with me and said, Amen. There is a bit of a change in our outline this morning, because the church that we consider today is only one of two of the seven of whom there is no criticism offered by the Lord and so therefore no correction offered. So there is a commendation that comes from him, but we'll talk about the city, the commendation that comes from the Lord and the call that God places upon this specific church. But first we want to look at the revelation of Jesus Christ or the character of Christ revealed to us opening verses or the opening words of verse 7 of this third chapter. The angel to the church at Philadelphia write these things, saith he that is holy and he that is true. Those two character qualities are revealed to us this morning of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they have relevance As we reviewed just a moment or two last Sunday morning, if you recall, 
the message to the church at Sardis was a discrepancy between reputation and reality. You say you have a name that lives, but you are dead. And the shock that must have come to that fellowship because they felt themselves to be a very alive group. They had signs, physical, what would appear to be physical evidences of a life, or it looked like life. But he said the reputation was different from reality. What we see this morning is just refreshing on the positive side. We have the revelation of Jesus Christ and then the reflection of Jesus Christ. And if you look with me in verse 8, there's something that causes a real deep rejoicing in our spirit. I know thy works, he said, I, uh, behold, I have set before thee an open door, no man can shut it, and thou hast a little bit of strength, or there's a weakness, but in our weakness then are we made strong. And you have kept my word, underscore these two things, you have kept my word, and have not defiled my name, or have not denied my name. He that is holy and he that is true, the revelation of Jesus Christ, those two character qualities, his name is holy and his character true. And the reflection of that revelation in the church at Philadelphia, you have held on to my word and you have not denied my name. Now let's identify the name of the Lord by two verses from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. Maybe you just want to listen while I would read this verse 25 to you. It says, To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? Saith the Holy One. God identifies himself by that specific Appellation. He is known as the Holy One. Chapter 57, verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Now notice he said, you have not denied my name. The holy and the true. His name is holy. Thus saith the high and lofty one, the one that inhabits eternity whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. And with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. Isn't that an enlightening verse of scripture? To reveal to us the dwelling place of God, to let us know where God lives and where God dwells. I live in the high and the lofty place I am a holy God, and I live in a high and lofty place. But I also live among those who have a contrite and a humble spirit. And if you want to be the dwelling place of God, or know the dwelling place of the Lord, there's a spiritual heart condition that's a prerequisite for you to enjoy that kind of habitation of God. I dwell in a high and holy place, the lofty place, but I also dwell among the humble of heart and contrite of heart. God is near to those who are of a contrite spirit. He resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. 
saw his name is holy and true. You have kept my word, you're true, and you have not denied my name, which is holy. And so it is always a real joy and delight when we can see the revelation of Jesus reflected in his church. What we have known of the Lord now becomes embodied in those who know him and reflected to him. And I think you would agree with me that there is no greater weapon against sin and no greater ability to win the lost than for the church of Jesus Christ to turn the revelation of the Lord into the reflection of the Lord in our lives and let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. And that's really the only means at this point in time for the world, the community in which we live to see Jesus is in this place. So it is mandatory this morning that the Holy One and the True One that is revealed to us by the Spirit, be reflected by us by the Spirit. And those who come through our doors and participate in worship and be a part of our fellowship, they would see the holy and the true Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I think you would agree with me that there's no greater weakness or no greater hindrance to reaching the lost than for our lives to be unlike the character of Christ. The world calls it hypocrisy. How many have heard the old excuse, lame though it may be, I don't bother going to church, the place is just filled with hypocrites. And though, though I know that every man will have to give an account of his own opportunities and his own choices and decisions, and he can't really stand before God with that alibi, I do know that in some degree he has something valid to say because we can stand as a hindrance, a stumbling stone, or we can stand as a help and a stepping stone. Oh God, what you have to say to us this morning is so simple and so direct. Let the revelation of Jesus that we have known be the reflection of Jesus that the world sees. Hallelujah, let the beauty of Jesus be seen. Make me more like thee, Jesus. Make me more like thee. All things working together for good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose, that we might be made conformable unto the image of his dear Son. That's what the activities circumstances of life that we've encountered over the last seven days have been all about God wanting to work the revelation of Jesus into my spirit so I reflect that revelation. Isn't it good to look at a positive picture from the Word of God this morning and see this church reflecting the truth that they have come to know about the Lord Jesus Christ? The way that happens is when we keep our eyes focused on him and we spend time in his presence. The Bible says, as we behold the face of the Lord, as in a glass, we are changed from glory unto glory, even unto the same image of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we behold him, 
and the Holy Spirit works in us, we become like him. The question is, do I spend that time beholding the face of Jesus? Am I like looking in a mirror, letting the reflection of the Lord be reflected in my spirit? The qualities that we've known of him to be known through us. Birds of a feather flock together. Is that right? I heard a little story just this past week of a deacon who had a parrot. Only was able to teach it one little phrase and it kept repeating that phrase, let's kiss, let's kiss, let's kiss. Pastor got a parrot and he was able to teach his parrot a little more spiritual language and he would always say, let's pray, let's pray. So the deacon thought, I need to let some of that spirituality rub off on my parrot and so he brought the parrot to the pastor's house and they put it in the cage together and they sat on their perches and eyed each other for a moment or two. Right on cue, the deacon's parrot said, let's kiss, let's kiss. Pastor's parrot said, hallelujah, God answers prayer. But we do tend to become like what we spend time with and those we spend time with. And the negative rubs off in negative, the positive becomes positive. And what we get to know of Jesus, that's not the end of it. We are to make him known. And I would call the theme uh, phrase that's on the, the logo of, the, of my alma mater was to know him by the Spirit was on the top part of the circle. And by the Spirit, make him known on the bottom part of that logo. And I think the two of them must always constantly go together. And the more we know of him becomes part of flesh and blood. And we are the body of Christ on earth. The only revelation of Jesus this world will see is the one we portray to them. Let's be sure it's the Holy and the true Jesus that is reflected by our lives. These are not optional. These are mandatory because this is the character of Christ. This is the revelation of Jesus. Nothing else but Jesus is redemptive. We've got to present the Jesus of Scripture if the world is going to love him and know him and be saved by him. And that really is a task that only the Holy Spirit can help us do. In the flesh, we can never do it, but by the Spirit, it can be done. When it is done, redemption follows. The other part of what is revealed of Jesus is that he, verse 7, he hath the key of David, and he openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. Now, that's an obscure statement unless we let Scripture interpret scripture. And so if you go back to the book of, of Isaiah with me, to the book, chapter 22 of that book, and uh, let me fill in the context while you're finding that passage. David had initiated something while he was king, 
and that was perpetuated down through the years. Hezekiah is now king, Isaiah is the prophet, and there had been an assigned administrative assistant or uh, appointment secretary by the name of Shebna. And he was given, along with other vestments, the key, which is called the key of David. He had gotten his life twisted up a bit in priorities and as a result lost that position of trust and that position of authority and a new man was now being appointed by the name of Eliakim. So if you look with me at verse 20 of Isaiah chapter 22, it shall come to pass in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim and I will clothe him with thy robe, strengthen him with thy girdle, and will commit thy government unto his hand, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And the key of the house of David I will lay upon his shoulder, and he shall open, and none shall shut, and he shall shut, and none shall open. It's a very clear statement then that the Holy Spirit is taking from Isaiah chapter 22 and placing it in, I, in, in Revelation chapter 3 as it relates to Jesus Christ. I am he who is holy and true and have the key of David. He opens and no one can shut. He shuts and no one can open. And it is clearly going back to this moment in history where that individual invested with authority by the government who had, who had the ability to allow those in that he chose and to exclude those whom he did not choose. Having the keys of David. We see that truth revealed about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad he's my friend. And the fact that he has by that key opened to me the doors of righteousness. And that I can go in freely to enjoy the provisions of forgiveness and the gift of eternal life that he made available to me. He opens the door. We read through the New Testament, there is the often repeated phrase in the Apostle Paul, a great door and effectual is opened unto me and there are many adversaries. A door of utterance has been opened for me. Who opens those doors? The one who has the key of David opens those doors. Man doesn't open those doors. Man's connections do not open those doors. Man's ability to pull strings cannot open those doors. There are some doors that only he who has the key of David can open those doors for us. And I believe that. There is no one else in this world that can open the door of salvation but Jesus Christ. He said, I am the door. By me, if you will enter in. No man comes to the Father but by me. I have the keys of David. I open. I open. And no man can close. And I'm glad for the door of mercy that's open to us this morning. But I can't read very far in the New Testament until I see a parable of the wise and foolish virgins waiting for the coming of the bridegroom. And maybe it would be well for us just to take the moment to go back in Scripture, take a look at that parable of the Lord Jesus Christ 
and to recognize something extremely important with regard to the key of David in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, gives that parable I just alluded to, then the kingdom of heaven should be likened to the ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps but took no oil with them. The wise took oil in their vessels with the lamps. Oil in their vessels with the lamps. That means they had the lamps and some oil in the lamps and they took another vessel beside that had oil to replenish the oil that was in the lamps. Verse 5, the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. And all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered and said, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you, but go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they were not ready. They that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. And afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour, that the Son of Man comes. That door he opened, he will close. That door that Jesus opened, he will also close. And no man can open it. The Old Testament picture of the same equivalent was Noah, when God said for him to prepare an ark for the saving of his house and for two by two and seven by seven the animals came into the ark and God said, come, bring your family in. And after seven days of grace, God shut the door. And the fountains of the deep broke open. The rains began to descend. I don't doubt for a moment that the friends and neighbors of Noah pounded on that door just like the foolish virgins pounded on the door wanting to gain entrance into the reception, but the door had been shut and would not be opened again. The day of grace is open this morning. I'm glad for he who has the key of David who has made a way open for me to enter in and have life, eternal life, abundant life. But the moment will come when God shuts the door. And no one can pick the lock on that door. He who has the key alone can open to us the door. Oh, I just urge you this morning, if you're not sure of your salvation, you can be today. That door stands wide open and he has arms that says, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. You will find rest unto your soul. I believe we serve the God this morning that has the key of David. With regard to employment, I believe he can open doors that nobody else can open. I believe that God can open to you 
employment situations that are tailor-made for your skills, for your abilities, and for, for his desire for a light and a witness in that place that would come from your life. I believe that. Do you? That we can come to the one who has the key of David, who is able to make a way when there isn't a way. The Red Sea stands in front. There's no way to escape. God opens the way. They walk across on dry land. Or is that just ancient history? Oh, no. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still the way maker. I said, he's still the way maker. And he's able to open doors that nobody can open. No one can close. He has the key of David. And I rejoice in that revelation of Jesus this morning to recognize that we have a little strength in our weakness. We depend upon him. Let me just hasten right down to verse 10 of our text. And he says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation. I looked this up in the NIV, and I like the way it read too. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I also will keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those that live on the earth. I choose to believe that that is a direct promise that is reiterated other places in Scripture, that as we live in a state of readiness and faithfulness and loyalty to God, that he gives to us the promise that when this time of trial and temptation and tribulation is coming to test the whole world, that he will help us at that moment and he will keep us from that hour. I believe he's coming soon because the very next verse says, Behold, I come quickly. I think that verse is connected to the coming of Jesus Christ. It, is, it follows directly on its heels. And he said, There is a time of great tribulation that's coming, and if you'll live as those in this church have lived, I will keep you from that hour. Now there's all kind of other theologies out there I can't help it if I'm right. <laughs> and I just believe that it fits the message that Paul gives in Thessalonians where he says, comfort one another with these words. And I offer that to you under the authority of the Holy Spirit this morning, and I comfort you with these words. Let's be able to keep the word of his patience faithfully enduring today. And he will also keep us from that hour of temptation that will come upon the whole world. I'm looking up this morning. He says in the next verse, Behold, I come quickly. Hallelujah. I'm coming quickly. The trumpet is going to sound. And some who say, well, don't you know, he says at the last trump. So you have to read through the revelation until you get to the last trumpet, and that's when he's coming. Well, I don't believe that is what it's saying, because what it's saying is the last trumpet of the day has a particular kind of sound. Just like Reveille wakes people up, there is 
taps that closes the lights at night. And so what he's saying is, when I blow taps, that's when I'm coming. When I have this particular sound, it's the last, the sound of the ending of the day. The last trumpet. You've stood, as I have, over the graves of those who have served their country and listened. It wasn't the last trumpet to blow, but it sounded the last message. The trumpet of God of sound. The dead in Christ shall be raised. We shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Hallelujah. I'm expecting Jesus to come back at any moment. Now, the eminency of the Lord is taking a beating today, but I'm telling you, as your pastor, I believe that. I believe the Lord come today. And I want to live every day as though he might come today. Be therefore ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. You don't know what day or hour the Son of Man comes. I want to be ready. Hallelujah. Lord, help me to know you, not just enough, but to reflect you to those who don't know you too. Father, I pray you will minister to us this morning. Let the word of God dwell within our hearts richly. I pray, Father, that we will continue daily to see Jesus, learn of him by the Spirit, have him made known to us. And by the Spirit, make him known to others. I would thank you, Lord, this morning for bringing us together safely. And wherever